Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks share a review afterward, and always keep it real. good time to, to have a good time so if you're good with that i'm ready to roll sounds good let's do it all right let's do it here we go in five four three two and one and welcome everyone to this episode of the real leaders podcast i'm your host kevin edwards and joining me today folks we have brian nickerson the founder and ceo of Magic links. Brian, how are you doing today? Wonderful, Kevin. Great to be here. It's fantastic. And for those of you who don't know, Brian has the best scale for rating ice cream out there. Brian, let's just go deep into that real quickly. So vanilla, you can take any brand in the world and how you rate them is you start with vanilla. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is a little, little wild, but I, I, I'm a connoisseur of like small batch, uh, you know, small makers of ice cream. Um, and I think uh, because vanilla is, is such a like simple flavor, you have to like a really beautifully done, amazing vanilla is out of this world and like totally different than what you can get out of standard, you know, kind of grocery store vanillas. And if a if an ice cream maker can nail that, then the like layering of other flavors into vanilla can kind of go in any direction and be amazing. Um, so that that for me is the is the test is like a great a great vanilla. It's like almost like you know in the sushi world, it's like a, a, a clean, pure, incredible, fresh slice of fish tells you everything. Whereas like a spicy tuna can you know the tuna can be hidden behind the spices and you don't actually really know. I love that. And, you know, it's it's the most like standard and basic flavor out there, right? Like everyone has tried vanilla probably in their lifetime. And it's like you're picking the, the base flavor that basically assures the quality of that ice cream maker for all the flavors that they have. Like that gives you that credibility. It's very similar to kind of like what you, the space that you're in and content creators. Like, in terms of like the actual careers themselves, like what is that base flavor? When you look at someone, you say, you know, they've they've got that base flavor, they've got that assurance, that quality that you know makes them who they are. What what is that base flavor in terms of a of a creator for you? Yeah, I think of it um, first and foremost as passion, mm. and you can like really, really tell the channels and creators that are passionate about what they do. Um, and a lot of times that comes through as like fun. Um, and the difference between that and a, and a creator who, and it sort of goes to like the intention of like, why are you creating content? Why are you creating ice cream? Are you, are you creating it just to sell something? Or are you creating it because you are like passionate about the craft and you want to create that excellence kind of across you know, multiple ice cream flavors or multiple videos if you're a creator. 
Um, and, and um, you know, I think a lot of, I'll hear this from a lot of creators earlier in their career is like, you know, like the, do they want, you know, do they want to be famous? Do they want to make money? Like th those are usually a lot of the like driving forces behind starting a channel and those things are, are good and fine. Um, but the, the difference in that sort of like it factor for someone who's really going to take off is like a genuine passion around the content that they create. And it like comes through and uh, everything. And then they can like go in all these different directions if they, they have that. I love that. And, and the passion remains true throughout like that base. Mm -hmm. And everyone kind of has their own flavor in the space. But and curious to kind of you know, parallel that into like leadership and like you as an individual as well, your leadership, your entrepreneurships, you've launched and started multiple different organizations. Like what drives you? What is that passion, that base flavor that you think you you that grounds you i guess yeah um so such a great question um i think what what really excites me is um you know kind of having a vision of what's of what's next um and then it's really about the like teamwork and the people who are part of that journey and like how to find great people, put them in positions to succeed, see them grow, like be a part of a team to make the future happen. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of that comes back to, you know, some of my um, experience playing baseball and like other times of being being in teams. Like I, I, I feed off the energy of like creating high performing teams and working well together and enjoying the experience together and sort of being able to like put everything out on the line and then being okay with the results or whatever they might be um and so that that um you know that if i get into the like core most simple parts of like my motivation it's you know being a part of a team and leading a team and and like kind of seeing that like cohesion of like a number of people doing something together that no one can do individually and maybe that surprises people in terms of what you can what you can do Let's let's go into that a little bit. You know this. You know the the saying: it takes a village, right? It, it takes mm -hmm. it takes a team. You know, if you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go with a group. Like in your experience in team building, what what builds a, a, a strong foundation and a strong cohesive group of of people? Yeah, um, and this is I, I like I learn on the fly with this, so I have a lot. A lot that I have learned and put to work, but also I'm kind of constantly curious and constantly learning. Sure, yeah. Um, and kind of feel like I'm I'm always there. But um, uh, I mean, one one way of thinking about it, we we have a uh, an F yes or no hiring policy, nice. um, and so that sort of gets to um, you know F yes is as much a feeling as it is a set of interview questions and answers and responses and all of that. Um, and we, you know, we kind of think of think of um, hiring on kind of three dimensions of like growth mindset um, or, or, or growth orientation, skill set, and impact. Um, and and across those three, you can you can get you know a lot of information on skill set based on the experience and what people have you know kind of done in the past. Um, growth mindset is kind of their orientation to what happens on a day-to-day -day basis and like how they're, um, and especially in a startup, I think this is critical of like challenges they are always coming up, little failures are coming up. There's always stuff that comes up that doesn't like go to plan or isn't perfect. 
And so how does one react to that in the micro moments? And that is those two pieces together will create impact. So someone that's like really pushing the envelope of what's possible, um, ideally, you know, kind of across a team, across the different functional roles in an organization um, can help help expand what's possible. And that is what we look for in an ideal world. It's hard to do and you make a lot of mistakes on the way and, um, you know, things change and somebody might come in with a growth mindset and encounter sort of one challenge too many and it shifts. But um, that's the way I think about it and the way our leadership team does. It, it's a fascinating subject. And I want to, I really want to dive into leadership a little bit later, but people listening to this right now is like, and we talked about ice cream. We talked about creators. <laughs> what does this guy do? I heard that he played baseball. <laughs> He's run a couple companies. You know, Brian, fill us in about you know your backstory, your origin story. Where do you come from? Um, tell us a little bit about the minor league experience and how that led to your position now at Magic Links. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in Northern California. Um, in a small town called Piedmont outside of Oakland in the Bay Area, um, and then uh, moved to Southern California for high school. Um, and uh, when I was young, you know, kind of right about that time of, of moving, uh, I essentially had two uh, dreams, uh, and I put it as goals because a, a goal is kind of a realized dream. Um, and that was one, to be a professional baseball player, um, and two, to be an entrepreneur. And I, when I had those ideas, you know, I don't even think I was playing Little League Baseball yet <laughs> um, and certainly didn't know necessarily the, the first thing about entrepreneurship. Uh, I was probably like 10 or 11 um, and, uh, you know, um, kind of in many ways, like the first baseball team that I tried out for Little League, like got cut, you know, didn't even didn't make the team. Um, I thought I was doing a great job because I had a good arm. So I overthrew the coach every time. I was kind of like, let me show you how far I can throw, not how accurate. Um, and really, you know, kind of um, learned through playing uh, both, you know, with, with, uh, with sometimes by myself in the front yard, sometimes with friends, sometimes with groups, um, but really just kind of put my mind uh, to that. Um, and then uh, uh yeah, was, was able to, you know, um, have a, a great college career and then got drafted uh, by the Dodgers um, and played third base in the minor league system for the Dodgers. Hot um, corner. Hot corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, um, you know, that uh, was a, was a ex very exciting, fascinating time of my life. I, um, you know, went through uh, seven knee surgeries uh, along that journey um, and knee surgeries aren't great for professional sports. So at a certain point in time, really, you know, had, had lost kind of half a step. Um, and it was time to kind of turn my pursuits and passions elsewhere. But, um, you know, that, that led to a couple of corporate jobs in business school, and then eventually kind of getting the entrepreneurial sea legs to, um, start magic links. Um, but, uh, those are, those are kind of the, the two main thrusts I'd say of kind of my life focus is like, you know, one in this kind of professional baseball and sports realm, and then uh, now in the in the um, you know in the business realm and in the creator economy. It's an interesting model that you all have, and for anyone listening out there who's ever thought about or used influencer marketing, I think it's going to really find this this episode valuable to them. What was your 
first experience though with just influencer marketing? I mean, this is a relatively new concept for most businesses. What was your first experience and what really gave you the confidence to launch this organization? Yeah, um, my first experience was really like deep, deep, deep with creators themselves um, and through a failed business uh, as well. Um, so the first company that I started was called uh, Chipmunk um, and it was a coupon search engine. Um, so kind of a kayak for coupons. Um, and um, the thought being is like, if folks have transacted online, it can be you know, hard to find a coupon that works. Um, and there's a whole lot of structural reasons for that. So I wanted to solve that, that problem. Um, and then uh, this was you know, 2012. And I realized that there were people, there was a lot of um, passion uh, and time being spent on YouTube. And when you would talk to um, uh, you know young kids, especially, they were switching from television to YouTube. Um, and this seems like maybe a lot more normal now, but at the time it was kind of a wild idea. Um, and so um, when launching Chipmunk, I thought that YouTube would be the customer acquisition channel for a B2C business that would help consumers save money while they shopped online. Um, and that was sort of like partially true, okay, but we had two companies that IPO'd and, you know, kind of after a year and a half, things were not looking good um, for that original idea. Um, but because YouTube was the customer acquisition channel, I had gotten to know a no number of creators and kind of learned what they were doing on a day-to-day -day basis and where their challenges were. Um, and one of those key challenges is like, you know, the, the ones who were really good were really passionate about creating video content. And then this sort of um, marketplace to sell products and earn money off their products or negotiate with brands or partner with brands. That was this whole new world for them. And we had built a lot of kind of technology and relationships that just made a lot of sense for uh, that channel. Um, and so um, we, we you know, pivoted the company and kind of, you know, at, at a, from a risk-taking perspective, like 98% of our revenue was coming from this chipmunk thing that was working, but not great. And 2% was coming from this kind of wild idea of how do we help creators with e-commerce and help match creators with brands. And we like turned off the old one and went entirely into this new idea um, uh, called Magic Links. And, uh, you know, it was, it made all the difference. It was definitely scary for a couple of years as you like go through that pivot. Um, but the, the, the kind of core um, piece, uh, you know, for folks who are new to influencer marketing, two, two stories, right? One is that in the early days we had um, everyone kind of in the investor community or partnership community was doubting the philosophy. So it was sort of, uh, is Kim Kardashian just a fad is like a way to highlight that. Um, again, in like 2012, 2013. Um, and then the other piece that we said is, well, let's solve one of the most challenging problems, which is how do we measure product sales that are happening on a video on YouTube or Instagram and now TikTok. Um, TikTok didn't exist when we started the company. Um, uh, and that, that solves a major problem for uh, brand advertisers, because if you know if you know what is actually, what transactions are transpiring from your creator investments, then you can choose to spend more and you know the channel is working. Um, and so we, we set about to solve that problem initially and then uh, have kind of you know grown out from there. It, it makes a, a lot of sense and it's a no-brainer when you just learn, oh yeah, we connect you know influencers with, with brands so they, they can measure their impact so they wanna to continue to spend money on these influencers. It's working, use them, right? That's what we, that's what we do. 
I'm curious to learn more about this failed business and more the change management, the, the struggles, mm. the learning, the things that you learn from turning around an organization that was focused and set in its ways 98% to then this other new model. What were some of the takeaways? What were some of the struggles that you learned with the employees, the hiring, the firing? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say probably number one was listening. Um, good listening skills are critical as an entrepreneur. Um, I don't know if I claim to have them, but in hindsight, you're like, I'm glad I listened to that. <laughs> um, and so I, I remember, you know, very clearly going to lunch with one of our investors. Um, and uh, we, when Chipmunk, you know, we were kind of at this critical point. And at lunch, he said to me, um, you know, Chipmunk is not fundable anymore. Um, and that was like so hard to hear um, in the moment because it's like blood, sweat, tears, like so much work and passion and energy has gone into this thing. And I had like seen, you know, two competitors IPO and seen the signs of it's not working. But like as an entrepreneur, you have this sort of optimism and like, you know, just keep getting after it and we'll figure it out and make it happen. And so to, to have someone say that that sort of clearly and bluntly to me. Um, was was both you know devastating and clarifying, um, and um, I think that you know helped me then go down that hard road of like okay what does this mean? Um, you know we were we were a small team at the time probably four or five people we had to um, you know uh, one of our co-founders uh, had had to we had to part ways with um, because we just couldn't go through the pivot and kind of carry three co-founders we had to do it with two. Um, and, uh, that was, that was, you know, really hard because you form personal relationships with people and they've been working really hard and, um, you know, uh, making those kind of challenging decisions where like, you know, I try to balance, you know, both the people and the business strategy at, at all times. And I probably generally lean more into the people, uh, than I do, um, sometimes on the business strategy front. And so when you have to make a decision that is like, you know, uh, sort of existential for the business that impacts people who you know and and have taken a risk on you. Um, that part's really hard. I think the you know communication out to investors uh, is is a difficult thing where they sort of have put your money into one idea and now you're saying okay well now we're going to go over here. Um, uh, and in in hindsight, that's you know turned out really well for people, but it it's still in the moment is is you know a series of kind of not easy conversations. Um, and I lean back, you know, I think in that, like, I'm, I'm fortunate my, my parents, uh, you know, instilled that with me. Um, I remember as a, as a sophomore in high school, I was the class president and I had the brilliant idea to do uh, a car wash to raise money for the, like the homecoming dance um, at a football game. So it was like, okay, uh, you know, we'll have a big crowd. People have to drive to the football game. We'll wash the cars while people are at the game. They can pick it up after. And it's kind of like a win for the parents who come, a win for everybody. Um, and uh, also in my entrepreneurial spirit, I said, well, let's crowdsource the, the, um, you know, the materials so people can bring sponges and towels and soap and we'll do it that way. And that way you know, we don't spend as much money on, on materials for the car wash. Well, someone brought a Brillo sponge uh, and the wrong end of the Brillo sponge got used on a brand new Mercedes. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it it, uh, it created a you know quite the hubbub. It was it was uh, actually a member of the board of trustees of the of the high school, um, and so uh, you know after that, um, 
uh, my parents said, you know, this is your, you own this, like you got to call her, you got to apologize directly. And I remember, you know, kind of hating my parents in that moment, because most of my friends, they, their parents would have done it and sort of cleaned it up at a, at a high level. And um, I made the call myself. Um, I met with someone who was uh, not graceful um, in the way that they handled that. Um, and we had to handle it with grace and spend, you know, all the money that we had uh, raised uh, to, to fix the car. Um, and, and, you know, it, it could have been handled more gracefully, but like the learning I had is like, hey, like you got to communicate, you got to be on the front lines of this stuff. Um, and, and that translated, you know, as, as anytime I've gone through, you know, some hard communication with that big pivot from chipmunk to magic links or other times it comes up, you know, I, I hope it's not that often, but it comes up and leaning into that experience is, is helpful for me. It seems like a consistent theme for you has been like really taking these difficult challenges and turmoil and really turn them into like learning moments for you. Yes. You mentioned listening all the time. Um, and also, you know, people being or impact oriented and, you know, they're the people that are working for you. And those are the difficult situations. Like to you, Brian, like help me understand a little bit more about like, your leadership philosophy over these years. What makes a good leader, especially in the state, in the stage that you're in as a company right now? Yeah, um, I think it's. Uh, gosh, it's such a multifaceted question, and um, so many, yeah, so many ways I can take it. Um, I think um, for me, um, being uh, authentic and clear and as concise as I can be in my communication um, is absolutely critical. Um, and I think uh, I am constantly trying to learn new things about leadership and new dimensions of leadership from others. And that's that, that for me, it's like, I'm, you know, if, if you sort of put leadership as like vanilla ice cream, <laughs> it's like, how do we get a little bit better at this like simple recipe called vanilla, right? And I'm like, I, I am on the court with that all the time. Um, and one, one great example, you know, the last um, four or five years, and this is really why Magic Links, ultimately why Magic Links is a B Corp is from one of the communities uh, that I've been involved in. Um, and that learning is mostly from um, indigenous cultures and indigenous wisdom. Um, and, um, you know, there's so many ways to understand that, but I think like um, there are, um, you know, a couple of dimensions I think are important to highlight is this notion of like, caretakers for the earth versus like extractors from the earth. Um, and you have a number of cultures that existed for, you know, thousands of years. Um, and then um, a new sort of uh, wave of uh, uh, extraction economy um, came and, and like these old cultures were primitives uh, under that, but um, it sort of makes you wonder like who's primitive um in in that uh exchange and and another i think to mention that's really important uh is the notion of seven generations um and so the the um you know uh, decisions would be made uh in more of a council setting and and consideration of seven generations of beings not just humans as the primary beings but also what's the impact on plants on animals on the trees on the land on the on the on the on the on the land in which the people are caretakers of um, is a is a you know important dimension. I think it's lost in a lot of our society today. 
Um, and that's been a new learning for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm classically trained in, in, you know, sort of, I guess, like blue chip capitalism coming from Harvard Business School is a place to, you know, like learn. And these are not um, items that I receive from my formal education, but I'm seeking out new mentors and new, new perspectives. Um, and this is, this is one that um, has really helped open my eyes and ears and heart to, um, you know, that kind of the why of business much more so than, um, you know, just being economically successful. No, and this is great because there's so many people listening to this podcast right now who are like trying to figure out what their impact journey is. Mm -hmm. And they've gotten to that career realization point. They go, why am I actually doing this? And how yeah. do I make the world far better than when I found it? Yes. You know, like, help me understand, like, who brought, who brought you or what brought you kind of into this space? When was that career realization to help others? I mean, just relate to others because they're like, you know, I'm going through this time right now. So when, when was that time for you when you had that career realization to go, you know what? I need to use my talents to be a steward for Mm -hmm. seven generations down the line yeah i i definitely did not have this at the beginning of my uh career um or the beginning of being an entrepreneur um i think i my orientation was a little more of like like the media sort of talks a lot about like financial success is success and there's like you know this like <laughs> kind of right. crazy hype uh cycle that right. goes into it yeah um and i think you know some some of the for me the mindset like um in uh in baseball and in sports like you have to have a a, a very sort of like short memory so you have to like you, you are like up at bat and if you get a, a fastball and you swing and miss if you continue to like settle with that then you have lost the at bat um, but you have to like erase that come back and like kind of each moment you have to be the very present in the present moment um and um one of the things that you know through sports as well that i learned is like you um you can't necessarily control the outcomes, um, but you can control effort and you can control like sort of philosophy and you can control like how you show up. Um, and we as a team would often talk about like, there was sometimes we would win games and just be like, we didn't play that well, <laughs> you know? So yes, yes, the outcome was in our favor, but that's not like still like, we got to push tomorrow. We got to get better at something because we something is not right. Um, and other games where you play like an incredible game and you lose and you kind of walk away going like, yeah, that's okay. You know, we, we left it all out there. And so if you can do that every single time, that's sort of like the peak of, you know, professional sports or sports is like the, the, the team shows up and plays to their absolute best of their ability and leaves everything on the field that day. Can't ask for anything more. Um, and I think that as well, you know, in a startup, like early on, I started to sort of orient to this notion of, we, we can't necessarily control the outcome of Magic Links' success, but we can control the experience that we have every day and this notion of like getting better and like having a good experience regardless of the outcome. Um, and so then that started to translate as I, you know, kind of got deeper into it. And it's actually, you know, listening to one of my investors as well, um, who introduced me to, um, you know, a, um, a, a community of people who kind of like think in this dimension and want to be, want to expand, um, you know, our understanding of kind of what's possible and what we can, um, what, what, what the meaning of kind of being here is being on earth. Uh, and then that one thing sort of led to another of someone in that community who's a spiritual healer who introduced me to an author who introduced me to a group 
that gathers, uh, you know, on a monthly basis to consider questions um, uh, uh, critical to, you know, the extinction that is going on in our planet right now, um, and and starting, you know, meeting that first by saying like, what's my, what am I doing? Like, what 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 is it that I need to change internally? Um, and starting there instead of like, why is it, you know, sort of pointing or external, like start with that internal change and then, you know, work from there. So that's the the genesis of some of that. No, I get that. I, I appreciate you sharing that, Brian. Um, it, it starts from within, right? It's got to be an inside out transformation first. I'm curious to know, like, who who kind of got you into the B Corp? space and and what your initial thoughts were on this you know being <clears throat> impact assessment and certification and how you found it maybe helpful in your organization yeah um so the the inspiration really came from the work that i started doing with dina metzger um so dina is a author of over 20 books um she lives in topanga california um and um, all of her books are centered on kind of indigenous wisdom um, and consideration of um, uh, w like the stories that shape our planet today. Um, and as I was, um, and, and so I've been a member of a group of uh, people in that community who meet uh, for one full Saturday a month um, all year round. And it's like 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So it's a, it's a big time commitment. Um, I've been doing that for four years. Um, Every time I come, every time going in, I'm like, oh, it's long. It's a Saturday. Like there's all kinds of reasons not to. And I show up and every time at the end of the day, I just like feel so at peace with this incredible community. Mm -hmm. um, and I think as those dimensions, you know, as I learned more uh, and as things started to unfold, the the question really said like, you know, to your point earlier, people asking like, I, like I'm doing something with my life, but where's the meaning? Um, I think that's one of the gifts as an entrepreneur is you can connect those dots. You, you are empowered sort of fully to connect those dots if you have the, the courage to do that. Um, and so I started feeling a disconnect between what we were doing at Magic Links and what I was learning and experiencing in these new thoughts of, of kind of indigenous wisdom um, and, and um, searching for a way to connect those and bring more purpose into the day-to-day. -day. And so B Corp as a as a sort of um, external certification was a was I thought was like the best um, sort of external organization to help bring that lens. Um, and in many ways, as we went through the certification process, the, these like philosophies were already at play within the company, but it was a way for us to like standardize and formalize and in places where it wasn't standard, like ask how do how do we create policy? How do we create something new? Um, so that's the, I guess, the philosophical genesis uh, of of our entry to B Corp. Well, it seems like it, it's like a whole a holistic approach for you all. It's it's uh, ingrained in your organization's values, your values. Uh, you, you're talking about seven generations. You're talking about leadership. You're talking about you know the stakeholders that we have in the world that we need to be stewards of. It does make a lot of sense. I'm also interested in because a lot of people have the perception of influencers as like a negative connotation mm. and people that are out for just money or fame or, you know, as the saying goes, you're in the spotlight, you become blind, right? But I th what I think what I'm hearing from you is your realization is also like learning. It's not about me. 
and it's about things that are greater than myself. And being able to create a platform for someone to fund their passion, their vanilla, their recipe, their purpose <laughs> is one of the most powerful transformative opportunities in the world. I mean, think about what this has done for so many individuals. What do you take back from that? Have you had any stories from influencers you worked with or even thought about what you're doing for other people's lives? Yeah, a hundred percent. I, um, uh, you know, as you go through B Corp certification, you also uh, change the um, articles of incorporation um, to include your uh, your vision and your purpose uh, uh, and, and why you exist as a company. Um, and one of the key ones for us is to create a um, a, a platform of impact um, and sort of sort of democratize access to opportunity based on impact. Um, and so impact rather than how many followers you have or what agent you have or, you know, some, some other sort of old systems of control, um, but really a new, a new way of trying to create a new economy uh, in that way. Um, and, I, and I say that with both like vision and humility, right? The vision is like this future state is, is you know, can be so beautiful. And also like, it's hard, it's hard to get there. It's hard, there's, there's reasons why those power structures exist. Um, but I think, you know, a couple pieces that we see is like the um, diversity metrics um, on uh, creators who uh, are on Magic Links' platform and who partner with brands um, are, are incredible and something that we're really, you know, excited and proud of and humbled by where, um, you know, we'll have kind of upwards of, you know, 50% um, non-white creators who uh, participate um, in, uh, you know, partnerships with brands. Um, and that's something that, um, you know, uh, is a part of B Corp. Um, it's a part of kind of who we are and who our um, team is and who we want to be. Um, and that notion of impact is like, you know, how many customers are you reaching? What are those customers doing for a brand partner? Um, they're metrics that are harder to get to, but that's the that's the model. That's how creators are rewarded on Magic Links, and that's how brands invest in creators is through that dimension and that lens. Um, and so, in some cases, that might be very subtle and not noticed. Um, and in other dimensions, that's sort of like the reason why someone uh, is on Magic Links. Um, to get to particular stories, I mean, um, one like theme of a story that we've actually heard multiple times and just makes me, you know, feel so good about what we do and so humbled by the experience is, um, you know, we've had multiple creators buy their first home based on the earnings that they've had from Magic Links. Um, and some of them have come from, you know, extraordinarily humble beginnings um, and, uh, you know, very challenging childhoods and something that I, I was fortunate enough not to experience. But to, to hear someone sort of take this, like, you know, uh, what started as an idea for me and be using it as a platform to make their lives better and then to, like, also feel that, like, you know, the connection enough to sort of reach out and share their story with us is just like, wow. I'm I'm humbled by it any any time it happens. It, and it's just um, another example, I believe personally, of like capitalism and entrepreneurs who come to that realization, who have these you know wholehearted intentions. Like, look what can happen when we have mm -hmm. some of the world's best put their minds to solving a systemic issue or an issue that's really 
um, ingrained into our society or into the environment. I believe truly that capital markets are really going to be the solution and always have been mm -hmm. to solving a lot of these problems. Mm -hmm. um, how do you see as a, as a big hole, as the, as the macro of, of business, what do you see the purpose of business being? Yeah, um, I, um, that's an excellent question. Let me sit with that just for a moment so I get, get to uh, some truth there. Um, I mean, I think, uh, I guess through my lens, business is like a, a, a function or a medium of change. Um, and it, it can, like, it brings change to the world. It brings change to partnerships, to, you know, users, to people on the platform, to creators. Um, and because capitalism is, is kind of a, a dominant language right now in our society, um, it, it can bring about change uh, pretty quickly. Um, and so, um, you know, when we think about purpose and those sort of like, um, I think of it as like a, a droplet falling into water and the like ripple that sort of like goes out, um, that, that start for us, you know, it sort of started internal for me um, in the experience that I shared. And then it goes into our team. Um, and, and then, um, you know, from our team, it's kind of who we are as a company, which is codified in B Corp. And then, um, the next layer for us, uh, which we're in the, the kind of nascent phases of is how do we have that spread into our partnerships and into our retail partners and those sorts of things. So a couple of things we're seeing already, you know, one, um, our, uh, both our, uh, legal and finance partners who've worked with like hundreds of startups, um, have never got, had a client go through B Corp certification before. So we're the first sort of trailblazing of like, here's how it's done. Um, and uh, it's always sort of like first to be, you know, uh, the first is usually the hardest and then there's a little bit of a trail and people can follow. So that part's really exciting. Um, and then I think, you know, for our retail partners, um, we kind of see, you know, two waves happening right now. One is early stage, um, sometimes direct to consumer brands that are B Corps from day one um, and sort of are born with this philosophy in place and want to bring products to the world that are uh, B Corp and and have sort of a higher purpose. Um, and so um, for those partners, you know, we want to be the go-to platform for those partners to reach creators who also share those ideals. And usually there's a very high bar for matching um, in, in, in those types of partnerships. Um, and then the other is, you know, um, you know, to the point of kind of capitalism being a language uh, that most uh, that the world is familiar with right now, you have large brands that um, may not be able to pivot to B Corp overnight and may never become a B Corp, um, but they know that they need to create more sustainable products in their offering to consumers. Um, and so um, we want to be the partner that can bring those product lines to market and make those product lines successful and then create more, um, you know, kind of more of the financial literacy of like, Hey, sustainability is not an investment that just costs us more money and like hurts our bottom line, but it actually is the future direction. And it also actually connects to the health of the, of the planet and being more of a caretaker than I think a lot of businesses are today. So that's the, that's the direction. It's not always easy along the way, but that's, that's, that's how I think of it. I, I love that. And, and to add on to that, um, I think a natural connection point for the businesses and the influencers that you're pairing with those is really that values alignment whether it's an investor investing to your company a customer a client someone that you hire how do you match those values right together how do you create a culture 
in your organization that knows their flavor, right? Knows <laughs> their peer uh, and create a, a, a values-driven culture. Yeah, um, I think uh, important pieces are when, when it's done right, that you celebrate the heck out of it. And when, when, there's, when there's an issue that's values related, that you handle it like clearly and quickly. Um, so on the um, done right, um, we had a, an experience uh, probably five years ago or so um, when we were a lot, lot smaller. We're you know over 70 employees now, and this is when we were maybe like eight employees. Um, and we had a company come to us and basically say, um, we have an unlimited marketing budget and we want you to take our product to market. Um, and um, our uh, head of sales came to me and she told me, um, hey, this opportunity came across and I think we should say no. And um, I, at first was like, I mean, you know, money is a, is a you know, currency of energy and you need it. And especially at eight employees, this was sort of like, you know, multiple investor checks for multiple years was on our doorstep saying, we wanna work with you. Um, and I, I had to sit with it for a day because I, I just like the, the power and, and was so high. Um, and after I sat with it for a day, I was like, you know what, you're right. Um, and so we brought the whole company together. Um, we explained what had uh, this opportunity that had come our way. And we also said, and we're saying no, and here's why. Um, and uh, the why was it was one of the um, vape uh, organizations, one of the vape, vape pen companies. Um, and um, we just felt like we did not want to be, that's, we didn't want to do it, you know, bottom line, we just didn't want to do it. We didn't think it was good for uh, the world at large. We didn't think it was good to attach to the Magic Links brand. Um, and so we said no. Um, two fun stories out of that. One is the next day, um, a, a huge partner, uh, Lululemon, came with the largest order we'd ever had. It wasn't close to what we turned it down, but it was it was the largest order we ever had. So I think like saying no sometimes also creates spaces for like what you what you really want. Um, and then the second is you know the the um, you know executives of that company were testifying in front of Congress for uh, you know um, illegally marketing to to young people uh, within six months. Um, and if we would have been a partner of them, that would have been a problem for us too. And it was one of those things that was avoided. Um, so that that um, that's an example of like it wasn't just about the it wasn't just about saying no, which was really powerful, but it was also about the story that we shared publicly to all employees the next morning as to why we said no. Um, that starts to like lay this foundation of like people know like okay like. We don't have to blindly say yes, like this is important to the culture and, and people either really appreciate that and are, and are stewards of it, or if it doesn't fit, you know, it's, it, that's okay too. And then they'll, you know, th those folks um, aren't a fit and it's okay to have people who aren't a fit. So Brian, in all of that, with this in mind, what is your definition of a real leader? <laughs> um, I think real leadership is about having a vision um, for what's possible and what you want, and then the courage uh, to gather people to help in that journey to make it to make it reality. Brian, it's been a pleasure having you on this show today. It's been everything but vanilla. <laughs> Brian Nickerson, I'm Kevin Edwards, asking you to go out there, have courage, and always, folks. Keep it real.
Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, Relators, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to Relators.com today, you're gonna get the first 30 days for free where you're gonna be able to access all of our magazines courses and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.